It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. And we're back on another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider and a topic that we didn't expect to be jumping into this week. The coaching carousel. It's turning again. Uh, We had podcast after podcast in uh, December, January, and February really talking about the coaching movement. Well, suddenly the Wolverines are in the position again of replacing a coach and replacing one of their strongest recruiters uh, even though he never coached the game at Michigan. Before we dive into that, I want to remind you, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it, be sure to review it. If you've done those things, be sure to tell your friends all about the podcast. They can find it wherever they get their podcast, whatever platform they use. They can find the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast and select Michigan Recruiting Insider, and there you'll have it. Joining me as they do every single week, the best crew on the Michigan beat. Steve Lorenz, once again this week. Steve, how are you? Good. Fully recovered from a nasty sinus infection last week. So uh, back at 100% today. Finally, today's really the first day I'm back at 100, ready to kind of get back at it. No shortage of news, obviously. So um, good. Absolutely. And Bryce Marich, who seems like he's always 100%. Bryce, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Just uh, just got a house, so I'm learning. Uh, you know, things can go wrong with how quickly. So we're Man. going through that process. It's crazy that I'm so old that I knew Bryce when he was a middle schooler. Oh, <laughs> I'm so old oh. I knew Bryce as a middle schooler. Calling into the radio show, saying, asking recruiting questions, and saying I want to cover recruiting. And now the dude has a house. Got good, a house. Good grief. Uh, well, you know it comes after the house, right? I'm just I I don't want to I don't want to put it in that atmosphere, but I'm just saying. Uh, Anyway, man, the Michigan coaching staff guys, uh, (laughs) it was complete. Then it wasn't when Brian Jean Marie left. Right then they add Matt Weiss, move Ron Bellamy over. It's complete again. Now it's not with the sudden departure of Mo Linguist, who was hired by Buffalo last Friday. They hired their coach in a week. Buffalo did. There's nothing you can do. You couldn't have predicted that cycle, that turn of events where Kansas would fire less miles because of some issues that took place at LSU that were uncovered from years ago. So they fire less miles and AD Jeff Long, both who are former Michigan guys, by the way. Uh, they take that month, they go and hire Lance Leopold from Buffalo, who had done a spectacular job. Uh, all things considered, uh, you know, taking Buffalo to three straight bowl games, two straight bowl victories. He decides to follow the same path of Turner Gill from Buffalo to Kansas, leaving Buffalo to search. And they go much faster than Kansas, though. And they land on a guy in Mo Linguist who had actually coached there before, Steve. That's the other piece of this equation, that Mo Linguist had coached at Buffalo for two seasons. So you have familiarity. You had opportunity, especially for a black coach, which those are fleeting in college football. You had him taking over a healthy mid-major program on top of it. 
I mean, it's just you understand it from Mo Linguist's perspective, but it just sucks if you're Michigan that you're losing a guy who made a big splash in the, on the recruiting trail right away. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's you. Anybody out there who's blaming Mo Linguist for taking a promo, a huge promotion to go from co-DC to running a, a football program, let alone one that you're familiar with and have coached at, uh, props to him. That's an awesome, uh, an awesome achievement, an awesome um, opportunity for him. And it does suck for Michigan, right? I mean, there's just there's that there's that, but at the same time, you know, I'd like to hear anybody who was panning him for taking the job turn down a promotion if it was offered. I'm sure that they would turn down a promotion in the name of loyalty, um, you know, or whatever, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Michigan's got their work cut out for him uh, to work to try to replace him. I know we talked about before he was before Linguist was hired. You know, the uh, the onus was on Michigan to hire a recruiter. Of course, not at the cost of your coaching ability, but that being an elite recruiter it was a, a huge part, a huge factor in the job. Uh, they obviously have to do that again. You can't shy, you can't go back or, or go in a different direction here. You have to hire somebody that can not only keep the current group together and solid, but can kind of help finish what Mo started. Um, as far as, you know, Michigan had some pretty good momentum with a lot of defensive backs this cycle, and it is their biggest need in the cycle is getting more corners and just defensive back, period. So that's where the pressure's on Michigan, Harbaugh, to find the right fit. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's definitely a situation where recruiting is the number one priority for this hire. Yeah, Bryce, you might recall the conversation. Steve just laid it out, the conversations we had during that, uh, you know, that entire hiring cycle about what's the – what do you prioritize? And for me, if you rewind the tape to the hiring cycle prior to that, in the aftermath of Chris Partridge leaving, right, Anthony Campanelli leaving, uh, it felt like in that cycle that you know the the coaching acumen was emphasized, even at the expense of recruiting, because Bob Shoup. Uh, is a seasoned vet in the game, long-standing coach, had been a head coach, had been a long-time defensive coordinator, had coached some top defenses, had a pre-existing relationship with Don Brown. But you might recall me saying at the time, you know, after the Shoop thing transpired, well, I said at the time, look, man, you know, this, it, it's it's a hit when you talk, to, uh, talk about tactically, but recruiting, you can't predict that he's going to add anything. You hope. Right, that with this profile behind him, he'll be able to get some guys. But there was nothing in Bob Shoup's resume that would make you think that he was recruiter. When that all fell apart and fizzled out, and he wasn't retained, you might recall me saying, in this cycle, just like Steve just said, they have got to prioritize recruiting. And I said, you can't hire a Bob Shoup when you got a Steve Klinkscale out there. Said that at the time, he goes out and get Mo, gets Mo Linguist, and that Mo Linguist was one of a number of of guys that sort of fit that recruiting bill to really emphasize recruiting in a way uh, that improved dramatically, in my opinion, and I think you agree, improved dramatically the the presence on the recruiting trail of this, of this staff. So when Linguist got hired, one of the first things he did was offer to several kids from the state of Texas. I mean, he wasn't even, I don't think, officially hired. I wasn't sure, but he, you know, he got the job. He just hadn't tweeted it out, and he's already extending offers. So that's you're talking about a 180 in terms of recruiting. That just shows you the type of guy he was and why he was such a perfect fit. 
I mean, you look at, you know, Victor's weekend and some of the guys that got coming up. One of the biggest surprises, Marquise Groves Killebrew. He's a Georgia commit. Michigan wasn't even on the radar. We weren't even talking about this kid. He's a top 100 player in the whole country. And he tweets out, I'm taking an official visit, tags Linquist, and we're just talking about, again, the job he does. You know, we're talking about the territories, you know, Texas, down south. So whoever Michigan's going to get is going to have to fill some big shoes because Linquist showed he knows how to walk the talk and do the recruiting scene. I mean, he had Jordan Lewis get on the call with Will Johnson. So he knows the tactics. He knows how to work things. And so whoever they get going forward, priority will be recruiting. It should be, at least in my eyes. Right. I think that it's important to emphasize what Steve said. You know, not at the the absolute expense of coaching, right? I'm not saying you go out and get a guy who, you know, he he's a really good recruiter in his spare time. You know, he's ordering sex toys like Zach Smith, right? He, he's like, he's not coaching. He's just doing the sex toy thing. I, I, am I joke? Am I making it up? I'm not making it up. He was ordering sex toys, having had him sent to the, the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Tell me I'm lying. I'm not lying. That's what he was doing in his spare time. So my point is, I'm not saying you go get a zero as a coach. You go get a guy who who has a coaching resume, a coaching acumen, it might not be to the experience level of a Bob Shoot, but where was the gap biggest? Let's, so let's compare, uh, for instance, just in that hiring cycle, because just for effect, I, I compared Bob Shoot to Steve Klinkscale. So was the gap wider between Bob Shoot and Steve Klinkscale as a coach, or was it wider between Steve Klinkscale as a recruiter and Bob Shoup as a recruiter. I think it was the latter and not the former. I think, you know, in clean scale, he had proven to be a really, really good coach uh, and, and an excellent recruiter, whereas Shoup was a really, really good coach, but just didn't register on the Richter scale at all as a recruiter. They go out and they find a molinguist who registers in both categories. So I think that's, that's the point to really hit on. Now comes the hard part, because you got – you got some woe is me fans out there. I'm sure you guys have seen them, right? You lose Mo Linguist. It is a loss. But they act like Mo Linguist is the only guy that can recruit. Mo Linguist is not the only guy out there that can recruit. Like, you can you can find another recruiter out there. It may not be a recruiter. So how about this? It may not be a recruiter with the same sort of territorial presence. It might cause you to shift some guys around, right? But Michigan has some flexibility on its staff now, uh, I mean, you got a Sharon Moore that if you want it, you can drop different places. You got a Ron Bellamy that you could drop different places, right? So depending on who you get, Steve, you can move different guys around. You don't have to be hamstrung by thinking you have to find a guy who was in all the same places that Mo Linguist was in. So I would say, like, I think as far as coaching, like the type of situation like this, uh, I think people should always save their reaction until you see who they hire to replace. That's the key to me. Because, yeah, no doubt losing Mo Linguist, not optimal for Michigan. But let's see who they replace him with before you uh, jump off the cliff um, again. If you're a Michigan fan, I guess, jump off the cliff again. Uh, but, yeah, no. So the, the funny thing about Linguist is there was the big push into Texas. And it's like my first thought about that was, A, it was, it was good. But, B, that would have been so much better like four years ago, you know, when Charlie Strong struggling at Texas. 
Kevin Sumlin struggling at Texas A&M. Now you have Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M finishing the top five. Texas has that new car smell again with Sarkeesian on staff. Uh, you always have Alabama, Oklahoma, LSU, even, you know, Arkansas a little bit too, does some good work at Texas. Like Texas is going to be harder now. And well, Ohio state too. I mean, Ohio state's recruited Texas really well. Uh, it's, it's arguably more contentious now than it has been in the last 10, 12 years, probably uh, not saying, you know, Michigan, obviously I think was making some headway there. We don't know how those races would have finished. You know, you take a guy like Chase Biddle or some of these other guys, they were in good standing, but were there, would they have been able to finish with them? Uh, that would have been interesting, but, but yeah, I always say, wait till you see who they replace them with and then go from there because yeah, you talk about a guy like Clint scale or some of the other names that have been uh, talked about. These guys can recruit at the same elite level that Mo linguist can, um, like you said, might not be in the same areas, but uh, a big time prospects, a big time prospect. It doesn't necessarily matter <clears throat> geographically where you're pulling them in from. So uh, that's always my thing. I know it's hard to be patient, uh, you know, for people, but I just wait and see who they replace them with. And then you, then you can react. If it's an underwhelming hire from a recruiting standpoint or just in general, then I feel like we've done a good enough job of being straight up and telling you that maybe, you know, could have done a little bit better. or This was a, you know, not the optimal hire this, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, like I said, just be a little bit patient with it. Absolutely. All right. So also a strategy here, Bryce is, you know, you talk to your recruits uh, and, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you absolutely get on the phone with with Will Johnson, and worthy of note, uh, because I talked to Will's dad, Dion, who is obviously a former Wolverine, very very involved in, and he calls him William, very involved in William's uh, recruiting and his thought process, and he made it a point to say that Will is not thinking about another school. Now, I, you know, I won't sit here and tell you that 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 is an absolute like he never would. But the, the notion that he would automatically start now is because schools were calling. Make no mistake. All the schools that were recruiting him before, it was like sharks smelling blood in the water. They, they all hit him. They all hit him. Like, hey, what's up? Right? And so he rebuffed all the overtures because he's determined, he said, and told his dad, and his dad echoed that sentiment, he's determined to keep this class, not just keep the class together, but to also the guys that they're on, so Marquise Groves, Killebrew, uh, Dylan Tatum, on the phone, Miles Pollard, on the phone with all those guys saying, hey, you know, this could all still work. This could all still be good. Let's all keep it even keel uh, and stay on the path that we were on before. That is a huge, huge deal for Michigan because if you're whether you're a fan or a coach, that has to be your biggest concern on the recruiting trail. Can you keep Will Johnson in the fold? And he seems... Uh, even before they got in contact with him and from from Jim Harbaugh to Ron Bellamy, all of them were hitting him, too, from Michigan staff. He gave them some welcome news that, hey, I'm locked in and I'm determined to help you guys keep these dudes in the fold and get other guys. Now let's talk about who else we can go get to come in and replace more linguists. But I also think it's it speaks to his mindset that in the prior hiring cycle, when they didn't hire Klinkscale, it wasn't like that ended it. He didn't say, oh, well, you didn't hire the guy I said, so I'm going someplace else. Molinguist came in, and he gave Molinguist the chance to really hit the ground running with him, forged a quick relationship with him. Uh, you know, JD had something to do with that, but he was all in for Molinguist. Now, he admitted that 
one of their concerns was that he wasn't going to be around long. I thought they they obviously thought he was going to be a long, around longer than three months, right? Uh, but they didn't think he was going to be around for Will's entire career. That was that was a concern. But it, like I said, it speaks to the mindset that this guy had when Mo Linguist comes open. He says, "I'm in the fold." When Klinkscale wasn't hired the fo- first time, he still joined the fold. This is a dude who is seriously all in for Michigan and is a major, major asset on the recruiting trail. Talking to guys left and right. We profiled on the last show, the last podcast, Bryce, where he's talking to Luther Burton and the coach. <laughs> I mean, he's telling the coaches, hey, I could get Luther Burton on a visit. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see if Let's see if we can make it happen. Good problems to have, right? Good problems to have if you're the Michigan coaching staff. So, uh, fortunate for them, they have that one locked up, and it's it's shaping up to be still a big time, uh, big time June when it comes to the visit list. One guy that they would love to be on it, but it's gonna be coming on it in the during the season, guys, is Josh Connerly. So Josh Connerly. A five-star offensive lineman. I believe he's the number 15 prospect in the country. We've talked about in the past Michigan's recruiting profile being boosted with him in the aftermath of Courtney Morgan coming on. Without question, fellas, that was huge. Sharon Moore had already done some work, as you pointed out, Steve, putting Michigan in play, but they have become even more prominent since Courtney has come into the fold. Rightfully a five-star, too. I think he finally just got there. Uh, to me, he's always been a no-brainer as a five-star. Yeah, this is a weird one. You know, Michigan's had some success in the state of Washington in the past. Uh, was it Stephen Schilling? Right. Yeah, right. that's Yeah, right. I think there was a couple. I think there's somebody else, too. But even with, like, guys they didn't get. I remember uh, Henry Bainvalu, a few uh, four or five cycles. They, they've gotten guys to campus from that area of the country. So, um he was a guy it's always felt worth pursuing uh, for the visit because the visit's going to be of the utmost importance in this mm-hmm. recruitment, obviously. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is one where, you know, things have been a little quiet on the offensive line recruiting wise. You know, I think we've talked a little bit before about Sharon having to rebuild some relationships and, and build new ones with guys that maybe we felt like they should have been recruiting, but weren't. Uh, and this will be a really good litmus test to see, you know, where Michigan can kind of get, you know, because I still say, you know, Sheryl Moore to get Dax and Hill out of Oklahoma, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, yes. still one of the best recruiting jobs that I can remember uh, since I've been doing this. So definitely a situation where you don't want to count him out in any big time recruitment. And then, like you said, you had Courtney Morgan in the fold, gives him another ace up their sleeve in that regard. So, uh, yeah, this was a big, this is a big one. To, this is classic that will come down to the, uh, getting him up there and seeing how that visit goes and going from there. Cause yeah, I mean, you got, He's got everybody, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's going to have everybody after him. So, uh, will be a fun recruitment and and one that I you know what probably before more got moved over, probably one we really weren't right much about or talking <laughs> much about. You know, now here they are. Uh, to me, maybe the number one. I think he's right there. Uh, you know, could be one of the best offensive linemen in the country, if not the best. Yeah, Bryce, you've talked about before how this was a Sharon Moore doing some work to get Michigan in play. Courtney comes in. He had recruited a teammate of Josh's at Fresno State, which we pointed out before. Didn't offer Josh because you aren't getting Josh Connerly at Fresno State, right? So, but he gets to Michigan and immediate. He established relationship, gets to Michigan and immediately, uh, you know, gets Michigan in play. 
because of that relationship and also because of connections. So Steve mentioned that you can go back in time, you know, the early 2000s, Michigan got a couple of guys out of Washington. Larry Stevens is the guy from up there, I believe, in Tacoma. Uh, And then on the basketball side of things, they got Jamal Crawford. And so I talked to his dad about it. He said, yeah, Jamal Crawford is a, is a major presence at Rainier Beach, which is the high school. That's Jamal Crawford's high school. Uh, that's where Josh Connerly goes to school, uh, and they know each other, which I talked to his dad. We'll be hearing from him shortly. Uh, but this is another one of those times where connections, man, where they're working those connections re- in a really, really effective way, and then you look across another factor on top of those connections and his dad speaks at length about this and it's worthy of note here he sees all of the all of the african-american coaches and administrators and he said you know from from courtney Ashawn, uh you know on the on the coaching staff in the athletic department dad said that's a huge thing too uh when it comes to seeing so many so many guys so many uh, black coaches and administrators, so many African-Americans in positions of authority, that's really resonating with Connor Lee as well. Yeah. I mean, you anything you can use in recruiting, you use. And if those it's prior relationships, like you said with Courtney Morgan, um, or just one he's building now with Sharon Moore, or something going all the way back to Jamal Crawford. I mean, you use anything in recruiting. And, you know, I remember his recruitment because when he got the offer back in April, it was from Ed Warner. And so, you know, he talked to me and said, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation I had with Coach Warner. You know, I want to learn more about the school and take a visit up there. Well, suddenly he's gone. And so you just think, man, Michigan's out. You know, there's no way Michigan could enter this race again. And suddenly you have, again, Jerome Moore, who I feel, you know, offensive line recruiting, he's been dealt, you know, tough hand tough because hand. it's just yeah. there's so many guys that he's kind of, you know, He's kind of behind the eight ball with, you know, and this is one of those scenarios. But like Steve said, if anyone's going to pull Michigan out of the mud and get them up to the forefront, it's going to be Coach Moore. And one of the first phone calls he made when he got the position as offensive line coach was with Connerly. And so obviously he's risen up the rankings. I know Michigan identified him pretty early and they saw a five star themselves, 6'5, 275 road grader. Um, but the big thing with his recruitment that I've been told is he's willing to look outside the Pacific Northwest. It's not like he's one of those kids who's set to stay home. He's willing to check out schools like Michigan. And so, again, if you can get, up, get him up on a visit, unofficial, official, whatever it is, all bets are off. You know, I mean, at that point, you can impress. And we've talked about, I think even Steve Wilfong has said this too, Michigan just excels. Once they get these kids on campus, once they see the atmosphere, the facilities, meet the coaches, that's where they seem to really hit their stride and knock it out of the park. And that could happen with Connerly as well. And for him still to be receptive to Michigan after the whole coaching turnover, that's a positive as well. Huge in the grand scheme of things. I had the opportunity to uh, chat with Josh Connerly Sr., Who said what you just did, Bryce, that his son is open to leaving not just the state but the region? Uh, He would probably be visiting during this big visit month, but uh, his baby sister is they're expecting her to be born in June. So he's only going to visit locally. 
uh, in that time, which you understand. But, hey, you can make the, the case for the season maybe being a better uh, time frame for a you know West Coast guy, not a region guy, uh, to come in anyway. So you can certainly make that case. But great conversation with Josh Connerly Sr., really laying out the criteria that his son is looking at, the appeal of Michigan. We'll get into all of those things with Josh Connerly Sr. on the other side here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Pleased to be joined by the father of one of the top prospects in the entire country from Seattle Rainier Beach, Josh Connerly Sr. Welcome to the show, Mr. Connerly. Let's jump right into it. Take us into when you first realized that, it, you know, Josh was a little bit different than all of the other guys out there, kids out there on the football field. When did you kind of realize he was he was special on the field? I realized Joshua was special when um, I would I would say when he when he first started playing, even before, you know, when Joshua was five, he wanted to play football. So I brought him out, you know, and they told me, oh, he's too young. He has the size, but he doesn't have the age. So I just I, I just I could tell from when he was real small that he was he was going to be a football player, you know. And once he got the pads and helmets, when we came out, when he when he turned six, that's all he talked about. That's all he wanted to watch. That's all he wanted to do. And I just, I knew he, he was going to be special, but, um, you know, physically, I think it was when he was, um, I'd probably say in eighth grade, he, uh, he was a running back. He, <laughs> okay. didn't, he didn't play on the line. He, he started off as a running back and then he moved to tight end in high school, like his freshman year. And then he outgrew that position. And then that's when he became, offensive tackle um but i would say eighth i'll say his eighth grade year i knew he was going to be something different so was that tough for him being a guy who was used to having a ball in his hands making plays going from doing that to being the guy that paved the way for the plays to be made was that tough for him when he realized yeah i would i would say it was but once he once he got used to uh you know, playing the position once he got a little bit more comfortable with it, he he fell in love with it. Okay. All right. And so colleges, at some point, the colleges come calling with, uh, you know, scholarship offers and attention. When did that really start to pick up? He got his first offer um, from Tennessee. That was uh, October 2019. And after that, I mean, they just kept rolling in. Joshua, he he's a he. I've heard from scouts that he's a, you know, uh, he's he's real gifted with his feet. He got good speed for a lineman. He got feet like no other from a lot of people, uh, from a lot of people's opinions. 
Okay. All right. So as far as he has all these offers, he's one of the top prospects in the country. Has, is it still fun or has it gotten overwhelming? Whether And I'm talking about from his perspective and from your perspective as, as his dad. I mean, what is the how is the process for you guys right now? I'm man. I'm 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 very, I'm I'm happy, man. I'm I, I like meeting new people. I like you know uh, speaking about my son. Um, I'm I'm extremely proud of him because I know how much work he's put in on and off the field. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just extremely proud and just you know honored that a lot of you know coaches and schools want him on their team and in their college. It's 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 an honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my son, I feel like he, he gets overwhelmed at times, but I just tell him, you know, son, this is what comes with the territory. And once you, you know, get on some visits and, you know, shake some hands and get to meet some people and decide on what school you go, you'll go to, it won't be as overwhelming, but, um, he's a little overwhelmed for me. I I'm, I'm fine with it. Gotcha. All right. So let's, you know, pretend for a second that is down the line. And your son is getting ready to make his decision. When he does that, what are going to be the most significant factors in that choice? Like, what are the things, what are the factors that you're telling him to prioritize? I would say, first off, um, whatever he's going to, you know, uh, get a degree in. That's very important to me because I want him to have something to fall back on after football. And then if he, uh, I want him to be comfortable wherever he's at and he, he's part of a family. You know, I spent a lot of time with him and I want him to go to a place where he still has that figure, role model type, but he's comfortable with that. Do you think at the end of the day, distance from home is going to be a factor for him? No. All right, so all of these offers, Michigan is one of the more distant teams uh, looking at him. So what... What what is the appeal of Michigan? What has it been? What have your your impressions of Michigan been to this point? I'm I'm personally impressed. Um, I like how they have a diverse coaching staff. Um, I like how uh, uh, Coach Harbaugh has NFL experience. Um, I just I like I like the Michigan man philosophy. I think that's very important especially with raising uh, a young man into a man. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. What about, what about Josh? Like who is he connected with the most at Michigan so far? Has it been Sharon Moore? I mean, what, what coaches has, what coach or coaches has he connected with the most to this point? Coach Moore for sure. Um, and also coach uh, Morgan. They've been, uh, on the phone quite a bit. Okay. So as his dad, I mean, yeah, give me give me your impressions, your thoughts on Coach Moore based on what you've just you know heard from him on the phone or virtual visit so far. Uh, he's a Oklahoma guy. Um, so out of most of the coaches that are there, they're not from he, – he's not from Michigan, but a lot of the other guys are. They're Michigan men. But I'm I'm impressed. I, I like him. He he seems down to earth. I like how he played offensive line in college, so he can give good pointers and give Joshua, you know, good solid ad- advice when it comes to that position. I'm 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 all I'm all around impressed with Michigan. 
Okay. So you you mentioned Courtney Morgan, who you know obviously just took the helm as the director of player personnel, but he played at Michigan too. I was talking to yes. Brandon Huffman. And he said that you know he came to Michigan already knowing Josh, already being connected in, in the high school. So I mean, it's you you knew. I know Josh doing, but you knew Courtney before this too. I didn't know Courtney. Um, Joshua knew Courtney because he recruited one of Joshua's teammates to Fresno State when he was there, and from and uh, he 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 thought he thought Joshua uh, wouldn't be interested in Fresno State. He thought it was too small of a school, but they were in contact. But once he got to Michigan, that's when he felt like that was a good fit for for my son. I gotcha. So you you mentioned something, man, that I heard I've heard a few parents say or offer about this new coaching staff, talking about the diversity of it and how they were impressed by it. Can you can you explain it from a parental perspective why that matters? Why is that important? Why is that impressive to you? Being an African-American father, the, I'm not saying that plays a huge role, but it is a little different from other uh, coaching staffs. And it's almost like you, you have more like an uncle or family feel when you're being told or coached uh, by someone the same eth- ethnicity as you. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a determining factor, but it, it does play a role. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense. I've heard the same thing from from other parents. Now, Rainier Beach is not foreign territory for for Michigan. They got twenty years ago. Jamal Crawford came from from there. Is there any connection at all to to Jamal? Do you guys know him at all? I don't know Jamal personally, but I mean, he's 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 definitely a, a part of our community, and he's around a lot. I know my son speaks with him quite a bit. I'm not sure if they've had a conversation about, you know, uh, Michigan, but I'm I'm sure with with due time they'll definitely. Josh will be asking them some questions. I gotcha. Okay. All right. So as far as visits are concerned, I, I read one of his updates. He'll only be taking one in the month of June uh, because he said he's expecting a baby sister in that month. But as far as his remaining visits. Do, have you guys discussed, uh, you know, any any at least firm destinations, if not dates, and and will Michigan be on that list? Yeah, that's that's all undecided until you know my my wife has her baby. I just don't want to risk my wife having the baby right out on a, in a out on a visit. You know, I want to give that my wholehearted you know yeah. attention. I don't want to be out on a visit knowing that's going on so yeah out of respect for me and his 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 mother you know he's he's gonna he's gonna wait for any official visits i got you that that makes sense and then so timeline for making a decision i mean have you guys talked about when when a decision will be made is he gonna be a guy who waits until signing day is it will he make a decision before that and just wait to announce it on signing day how's that gonna play out He's gonna he's gonna announce uh, All American Game uh, January eighth, twenty twenty two. Okay, now is he gonna enroll someplace early, or or is he gonna go all the way through and and you know graduate with the rest of his class? 
Uh, that's that's undecided right now. I mean, he has all of the all of the credits. He's in line to graduate early with all of the credits. He's been a 4.0 student since. Well, he's been 3.8 and above since uh, his freshman year. So uh, that's that's undecided at this time. Okay. And has he announced any team sticking out for him yet? No, no. But Michigan, they're definitely on the map. I can tell you that. Okay. All right. All right. My very last question for you, Mr. Connerly. You told me the things that Josh likes and that you like about Michigan. What are the biggest questions that you guys have about Michigan at this point? A lot of it is just how the culture is, how's the weather. I know it gets cold over there, but how cold does it get um, when it comes to his his scholarship? You know, if, if something, you know, uh, major happens, will he still be, um, you know, covered to get a degree or will they just boot him off the team? Those Those are questions that, you know, I have as a father. I appreciate you taking the time tonight. All right. You have a good day. Thank, or you, good evening. You too, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. West Coast here, man. I appreciate yeah. it, though. Thanks a lot. All right. You have a good one. All right. You too. And that was Josh Connerly Sr. giving us the outlook, giving us the lowdown on his son's recruitment, Michigan's place in it. Uh, it's pretty clear Michigan is going to be a school under heavy consideration for the duration, even as an out-of-region school. And that'll do it for this edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. I want to remind those of you who do not subscribe to the MichiganInsider.com that you could join up now for just a dollar. Get you your first month, the inside dirt on team news, on football and basketball recruiting. You cannot beat it. An awesome value. You get the Recruiting Insider every single day on the MichiganInsider.com. And, of course, about this podcast, be sure to rate it and review it. If you've already done those things, tell your friends about it. They can find this podcast on whatever platform they use, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. Just search Michigan Insider Podcast, and up they'll come. Select Michigan Recruiting Insider, and you'll find us. And you'll find us back here next week on the next edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.